Look, man, the tank is so strong, it's getting shouted out on the Oscars. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> I said this earlier, all right? We stopped the tank for Spike specifically. We had to take a W at the Garden just so that Spike could receive his Oscar. But I, I have a lot of things to say about that. I want to definitely save that for later. Right now, I'm just so... I can't get over the fact that KD could actually be a Nick next year. And I know everyone's talking about the fact that it's going to be KD Kyrie, KD Kyrie, like both of the biggest complainers in media right now. I mean, it makes sense that they're in New York, right? They complain about everything. But what if it's not Kyrie, you know? And what if KD actually has other things in mind? Because he wants to build this legacy of who he is and how, how great he is. What if KD just wants to build like, you know, just a team, just use that, use that cap space differently. Well, I think the Knicks have to plan for that contingency. And, like, you know, what if it's a scenario where they keep the max space available? Like yeah. what the Lakers did with LeBron. That's true. Could, could they punt nah, the year? I don't know, nah, because they see how it's failed with LeBron. Like, and I definitely, yeah, how do you feel about LeBron, actually? He had to activate playoff mode early. I think that, that, that came off a bit corny. Like at the end of the, like he he just feels like a dad already to me when he says things like this it's just like the younger more athletic dudes are like what like what are you saying like so I mean you weren't he, playing hard he's been in dad LeBron mode for a minute now but now it's it's really coming out but you know LeBron's also an A and R right now he's producing albums he's working on a movie and he's the one at the same time saying like you know if you can't handle distractions you shouldn't be working for this franchise and it's he just, might be distracted. It's some patronizing <laughs> shit. It's it's really interesting to see what's happened with the Lakers right now. Cause, you know, every can you imagine if they don't make the playoffs and the Kings do? It's not even that. I mean, I believe in the Kings. I think they're on. Uh, they're a fringe, like really good team. Right now, they're they're pretty good. But when I look at LeBron, it's just like I don't know if he could, you know, put it together in time. Like the whole team is distracted. The Lakers failed to put a second star next to him, and. LeBron's had a hard time all season getting these young guys to ball. But, yo, without Lonzo, like, I saw something on Twitter that... Um, like 4-18, and 18, The, the right? Lakers, I think, are better with Lonzo than they are with LeBron in the first place. So maybe BBB was right, you feel me? But <laughs> it's just like the young guys and LeBron don't mesh. And could that be the same case with KD? Like, is he willing to play a mentor role? Is he? Does he want to, like polish these guys asap and in that case do you build a team instead of getting a second superstar but what if it's not Kyrie? what if we you know what if Kyrie goes to the nets because he grew up a nets fan i think i, I that's what i read and the nets max him out delo's on the market nick swoop in like yo just keep your loft you could live this lifestyle katie's coming we'll trade for ad or maybe even a smaller package for booker I think in that scenario, maybe... And I'm being crazy. That's me being, you know, somebody who went <laughs> through losing Chris Stapps, not having a star to watch this season. So people who aren't Knicks fans, forgive me. I think in that scenario, maybe they don't go point guard. Maybe they say, you know, we're good with Dennis Smith Jr., we're good with Moutier or Frank, and they go after someone like Middleton or even Jimmy Butler. You know, that would be a chemistry, like, experiment right there. KD and Jimmy Butler, like... It's a lot of intense personality. No, I think media. you said something good earlier, bro. I, I don't. I wouldn't. I don't think Jimmy's the right fit for KD. You said Jimmy's the right fit for Kawhi, and like you, 
What were you saying? My bad. I mean, I was thinking, you know, maybe with the Clippers having two max slots, they go after a package where they get Kawhi and Jimmy Butler because, you know, Kawhi is right now the most attractive free agent for these other superstars to team with. And, you know, other people have said this. It's because he'll let you be the face of the franchise, you know, media-wise. And Jimmy Butler... He's not going to have to worry about, you know, is Kawhi ball hogging? Is he not playing hard on defense? It'll be like a match me in heaven. And you match that up with, like, you know, Shea, Patrick Beverly. Yeah, Harold. they got a good squad overall. It, it would be really intense. And I think that's what the Knicks have to look at as well is, like, what kind of identity are they trying to have? Yeah. You know, right now the Knicks have – they're trying to do the whole thing of, like, you know, we're not going to get down from a loss. We're going to play hard regardless and just build this, like, you know, this whole defensive mentality. But – they still need the talent behind it and, like, to go hard with it. So if you don't get Kyrie to match with KD, you still have to think, like, all right, what's what's the foundation of this? It can't just be, like, put this 2K roster together and, and we're yeah. good. Because that, that's, <laughs> that's what's happened before, and it's just yeah. not it's not going to work. And it's then, not feasible. And the it last, could work out, but it's not feasible. The last thing you want is to sign KD and then not to change things as far as how the Knicks are looked at. Yeah. I mean, look. We traded KP, so as far as I look at it, there's an open power forward position there. And a name that's been slept on is Jabari Parker, you know? Like, what if you put a Jabari Parker next to him? Or you put, like, a Julius Randle, these type of players who could play a role. The uh, They could play a role really well, I get, Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, for playing fast and... and- and, and, like, on offense, yeah, but Jabari Parker on defense would be a disaster for the no, Knicks. No, but we're building a defensive unit anyway. Like, he does, we can mask those things is what I'm trying to say with the presence of, like, a Mitchell Robinson already who's super versatile, who self-proclaimed can average six blocks a game, you know, so. It's doable, but. That, and when a d- defensive liability, there's more opportunities to do that. That's real deflating to go from <laughs> Kyrie to Jabari, you know. Not even that, but it's just that with the money that you could spend on Kyrie, you're not using all of it on Jabari. Yeah, it would have to be a one-year deal, I think. And, and then see from there, like, can it? Can you keep it going? But I don't know. We'll We'll see. So far, you know, Scott Perry and Steve Mills, they've definitely, like, they've stuck to their strategy, you know. These, like, lottery pick reclamation projects, whether it's, like, Dennis Smith Jr. with the Porzingis trade, saying, like, all right, we're going to bet on him and his talent. How do you feel about him overall? I mean— there's still, you know, I know you have an affinity for Frank, too, so <laughs> I can't let you, you know, loose on that one either. No, nah, I think—I think they're a good fit together. I think he's definitely someone who could play with another point guard, but, you know, on a stat-wise, stat he's definitely performing, and— it's looking better than he did in Dallas. And just the, the excitement that comes from this shit. It's like, you see that clip of him like almost uh, dunking on Bertans from the yeah. Spurs. And it's like, look like at the garden going yeah. ham. Like, you know, it, it's just, it's really dope to see. It's dope to see a point guard who's just going all the way to the rack and like Somebody who finishing, can make the tickets you know? more expensive than they already are. I yeah. feel that, bro. But overall, I don't know. It, it's tough to say because, you know, we're, you start this conversation by saying, you know, KD or Ky- and Kyrie. And so if we get, if the Knicks were to get Kyrie, what does that mean for Dennis Smith Jr.? Yeah. Do you Is package him in bait? a trade? Yeah. What kind of trade bait? Listen, man, you could get, they could get into some real fun when you talk about trading him and like a draft pick for someone, but yeah. the I market mean, is Booker the market. I mean, Booker and D-Lo's a tease, right? What if it's, you know, Anthony Davis? <laughs> Dude. 
The Knicks That'd are on his list. Big three. He 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 complimented the Knicks as a franchise. What if after all, you know, the Celtics aren't the team that's going to make the move, and they're waiting on the Knicks, but everyone's talking about them because the Knicks are saying, "Just wait till you see that it's a top three pick." I mean, I think the underrated conversation in this is that, you know, if Kyrie leaves the Celtics, are they really going to? What's their what's their angle in re-signing AD if they trade for him? That's true. Especially if they Tatum. give up Tatum. Yeah. So it, He's too good. I think if Kyrie leaves the Celtics, they're out of the Anthony Davis sweepstakes. The other thing is is that uh, I like what, I think it was Colin Cowherd. Um, forgive me if he's not the guy who said it, but the fact that Celtics fans already embrace the fact that Jason Tatum has played a leadership role when asked to in the playoffs because so many people were injured. So they've already grown an affinity to him. Like, if we lose Kyrie, why bet on somebody whose dad, like, you know, publicly put us out? No, and not only that, but would be a, a free agent, able yeah. to leave. And I would love that to happen, though, because I hate the Celtics. Like, they just deserve that kind of... I don't know if they deserve it. I just, I believe they do. I mean, it would be crazy to see, like, after, you know, what happened with the Nets trade for things to just, like, flip on them this yeah. way. But that's the NBA for you. The same Exactly. Thing. Entertainment, baby. You know, if, if, <laughs> if Toronto loses Kawhi, it's, it's quiet for them, kind of. Who joins Lowry? Does DeRozan come back? Nah, he... The trade? <laughs> they'd have to trade him. He's, he's re-signed for a while. You know, but that that's the reality of things. There's a lot at stake, this free agency and this draft class. What if LeBron gets traded? <laughs> they could never get away with that. The thing is, he doesn't have a trade clause. Right, but you, the media fallback of that would be nuts. Who gives a fuck? You're magic. You cover it up. Like, look, the city loved these young guys. I wanted to trade the young guys, but I got so much pushback from the city, so... Dude, they don't give a crap about... They give a crap about Kobe. (laughs) All right, but look, they they had no problem, like... They don't have a problem with anything that's going on right now. I remember, like, it was Kevin Harlan. They LeBron was still injured at the time, and he was speaking to Magic and Rob Palenka, and he was like, let's take a, this is a look at the Lakers' ownership, he said. And I don't know if that was an error or a joke, but it's like, that's why people always make the Le GM jokes. It's like, the stuff in free agency and these trade rumors, it's, it's LeBron. Like, the clutch sports the angle behind it. You know, yeah, the it, media's in the. I feel like a lot of the media that comes out is brand like those brands, right? Is that what you're saying? Alluding to? No, I'm saying like he's just in. He's like taking real control of the narrative behind it. That if they were to trade him, it would just be a disaster media-wise. Okay. Like it would. Like clutch sports would come out. Dude, dude LeBron himself would come what out would and happen, just though? he would bury. What do you think would happen? I, I just think it would be nut. Well, first of all, Twitter would go crazy. Wouldn't it be great for the NBA? I don't. Yeah, at that point, the NBA becomes a TV show. If 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 your quote unquote best player in the league is could get traded, all bets are off. You know, this is just like trade wars at this point. And I don't know. Then it becomes two K for me. I don't think that that's not happening. Not <laughs> not in a million years, but. Who knows? (laughs) I'm kidding. But I definitely think LeBron has ties to New York City, you know, Um, because I look at the time lapse of LeBron's career and then I look at the Knicks and then I look at the city of Texas. Um, I have a conspiracy that not I don't want to say conspiracy because I feel like people think saying that 
makes it less believable. But in fact, it's just not that enough people are saying it to prove that it's a theory. So my thing is, is that I look at the the last time the Knicks and the Spurs played in the finals. Um, I think it was, what, 99? Yeah. And the Spurs came up on top. And it's this is, you know, Tim Duncan's second year mm-hmm. and Allen Houston's fourth year. And around that time, like, we're also preparing to re-sign him ahead of, like, a big injury, which is unfortunate for Houston. And then Tim Duncan goes on to win, what, three more rings after that because he already won? Yeah. And now he's retired, and the Spurs are doing bad. And for once in our lives, we're actually excited about the Knicks' future. And the Knicks' biggest fan finally gets something he's deserved for over 20 years. So what, what, uh, uh, Spike Lee's you, Oscar. So are you are you basically saying that there's some kind of inverse relationship going on? I think the- so. I mean, I was a stats major, so I'm <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, I, I was, but I'm kidding. Where but did you start? With I this? definitely think the correlation is there. Like when the Knicks were great, the Spurs weren't even an organization. They started in '76, and the Knicks only won in '71 and '72. Or Around those, like, in the three-year period in the early 70s before the Spurs were an organization in the NBA, not the ABA. Right. And then now they're in this league. They both grow together or whatever the case may be, 15, 20 years. Because, you know, things take time to develop. In order to have these correlations, we need to see them over time. Then the 90s hit. They both hit this good. You know, it's David Robinson and Ewing. But they're both unfortunate to live under the era of Jordan. And they're both big men. And then you get a guard for the Knicks or a forward, whatever you want to call them. And you get another big man for the Spurs. And it works out for the Spurs, but it fails terribly for the Knicks. And now it's like we're excited about this forward, you know, who's coming out of this draft. And, like, the Spurs have nothing because they traded for a shooting guard. And their finals MVP is gone. And I don't know. I'm just saying shit. And I feel like it's all correlated because it's it's the same narrative happening inverse. And, like, it's just so many things happening that it's like, why is Texas so tied to the Knicks? And, and I say Texas because we lost to the Rockets in the finals when Jordan wasn't here. The Rockets were, you know, they had their run or whatever, but... um. We traded KP to the Mavericks, our forward right now, and, and for another forward that's coming up. I don't know. Am I, maybe I'm going crazy. Maybe this is the time I've spent alone thinking about this Chris Stapps trade. <laughs> what, what, what was the thing that sparked like this correlation to start with? Like, What was the thing that made you look deep into this? Well, the first thing I said when I started talking about this was the tie between LeBron and New York City. And I saw that LeBron's lost in the finals to the Spurs and the Mavericks when he was on the Heat and the Cavs. Um, did he lose to another team? Because he lost to the Spurs early in his career, too. Yeah, but not not another team from... He's never placed the Rockets in the playoffs. Yeah, but he's only lost to the Spurs and the Mavericks, right? Well, the Warriors. Oh, yeah, the Warriors. <laughs> the new dynasty. And the Celtics. Yeah. He's lost to... Well, in the finals is what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. Um... And the Knicks have lost historically in the '90s to the um, Rockets, um, and the Rockets. What and was the, the tie-in and with the them? And the Spurs, yeah. And then I don't know. I don't know where else the Rockets play outside the na- the '90s. I mean, the last thing, really, the last interactions was Jeremy Lin 
going to the Rockets. It happened. Yeah, that's uh, true. And then... I forgot about that. And that's a guard. Then, actually, this is a super tie-in to LeBron. And right before the 2010 free agency, they traded Jordan Hill and Jared Jeffries to the Rockets so they could free up space for two for max For Tracy slots. McGrady. Yeah, so that they could sign LeBron and, like, another max free agent. That's... Yo, I Damn. So that's the Texas parallel also. Where it's it's like just legitimizing they this they, conspiracy. Last time it was a trade <laughs> to the Rockets. This time it's a trade to the Mavericks to get two free agents. Yo. <laughs> Yo. I'm saying, though, the biggest market versus the biggest state versus the biggest player. All these things matter. Or maybe they don't at all. Well, I mean, the, the other comparison <laughs> is crazy, that bro. The, the Spurs are actually a model organization while the Knicks haven't been. Yeah. At and all? it's always <laughs> the standard. They're always both the examples. But I don't know. I feel like this is a little like <laughs> it is crazy. I'm really curious as to what like what time of the day it was when this like popped into. Yo, but fuck like, you, man. there's enough coincidences <laughs> here that you're you're onto something in a way. It's I, wild I to it. me. I, I get it. And I don't know. I just feel like it's about time we get our Hollywood narrative. But I feel like the first Hollywood narrative we owe. Uh, the first Hollywood narrative we owe is to give Spike a retirement, man. He deserves it because this is my thing for Spike. I feel like Spike's been at more games than any player that's played for the Knicks. Like, I think he's had the longest tenure for us and the longest, like, the most games spent on the sidelines. I mean, that's that's probably true. Un- un- unless it's like Ewing, maybe. <laughs> And I mean, and yeah, but he probably went to every game Ewing played at at MSG. Right. And now he's watching every team. He's pretty much found every exclusive ass Knicks jersey to ever wear. Always puts on for the team. His autobiography, he's wearing a Knicks beanie. So what what do you think is like the main thing that jumps out to you in saying like this is what Spike contributed to the Knicks? Like. Is it him repping it and championing I think, them? Um, I think when we think about New York and when we think about sports and who we are, we're the mecca of basketball. We're New York City. And uh, we got to think about how we preserve our culture, who we are as New York City. And I look at Spike Lee and what he means to the culture. And he was never recognized in his time when he was creating film in the 90s for what he was able to accomplish. You know, right. somebody who created black films with black actors for a black audience that scared a lot of Hollywood, which wouldn't get a lot of funding outside of, like, what he was able to do himself. And it's incredible to see what he's done. Right. The the subliminals he drops in his films that, to this day, have us analyzing what he was able to create. You know, even, like, the techniques that he's adopted. And, like, the fact this dude didn't even care about film till his 20s. There's kids that grow up wanting to create films. You know, he just wanted a medium to talk about something that mattered to him. And um, he reps the Knicks hard. Like, I don't I don't feel like he has to play a game or has to be on the sideline making any decisions other than that passion he showed as a fan. Like, when we think about Reggie Miller, we think about him going at it with Spike Lee on the sidelines, you know? I think it it's a tough sell in the in the fact that he's a fan, but you don't also, even need a number. That's the thing. You can literally that space of a number just put an Oscar. Like to get to add some perspective to this, where like where I'm a little skeptical about them ever doing this is like Bernard King, his jersey hasn't been retired. Really? Wasn't he twenty two? But it's not retired though. But 
no no player could use that number. Uh, I mean, they've probably kept people from not using it, but still, like, nah, like it's been no all one those can years. wear that. It's an unavailable number in two K too for the Knicks. Let me fact check this real quick, but I, I'm pretty sure there's one player at least who like there's, there's definitely a, there's people. a glaring omission, and it's like would they like let that slide while they don't while they retire like Spike's jersey? They have to do Spike because of the time. Just makes sense. The timing of it is perfect because it's just like. This is how we pay back to one of our biggest fans. Yeah, no, they they haven't they haven't retired his jersey. Bernard King? No. I know Melo wasn't able to wear number twenty two when he wanted. He did that he out of res- he did that out of respect for him though. He All he right. picked. He well, picked he respects seven. the king. Everyone knows it, and it's gonna happen. It's not like it's not gonna happen. I hope it does. But it's not a conversation about King. It's a conversation about Spike because we want to embrace all these guys. It's not a pick or choose. At the end of the day, though, it's still about who's running the franchise and who's going to make that decision. I feel like Steve Mills would do it for the culture. But it's Dolan's call. Dolan's selling the team. Allegedly, maybe. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I can't make those remarks. But, But yeah, how do you feel about that? You think it's actually going to happen? I think all signs point to him wanting to get that offer. He's basically saying, like, give me the $5 billion and I'll highly consider it. So what if this is Amazon's way of coming back to New York City? I don't think I, I don't think he'd want to deal with that backlash. You again. don't think Bezos would shell out the five billion not to even have a place here, but to rename MSG Amazon? <laughs> well, that's the thing, though, is that buying the Knicks doesn't mean you're buying the Garden. Okay, you're just buying the organization. Gotcha. And most likely, that's what will happen. Because the thing is, is that Dolan wants to still keep his entertainment business up. Right. So and he like, wants to put more funding towards those things. Yeah. And so, like, I, that's the holdup in, buy, in someone buying the team is, would they want to pay rent to Jim Dolan still and, and MSG? And then you're dealing with a situation where the Knicks have to be in another arena. It's just a lot of weird shit that I don't think, like, that ownership thing is happening anytime soon. Well, Jeff Bezos could buy it, play a couple seasons at MSG, (laughs) and then open Amazon in Queens again. Maybe. It'd be like Steve Ballmer buying the Clippers. I could see it happening. Yeah, these tech guys got the money. They want to flash it. I feel like it's a write-off for him. Regardless, I feel like that's a great way to end the pod this week.